Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. Give it up for Charity. Thank you, Charity, for sharing about Alpha. Well, as you know, Alpha's coming. We're very excited about it. And here's the thing. Alpha's for everyone. Alpha's for those of you who are looking and you have questions about God, you have questions about life, faith, meaning, come to Alpha. If you are someone here and you're like, hey, I, I just, I could invite someone to Alpha like Charity did. We would encourage you to consider who's someone you can invite and you need to get on it with us right now. We want to start next Monday, but we need you to join with us in that. And so uh, today is a great day to sign up. If you want to come and be a part of Alpha, if you want to invite someone, sign up ASAP. Alpha is one of the greatest tools that we can use to learn about God, to have great conversation, not only about life, but about the big questions we have around faith. Uh, so it's a great thing. It's coming soon. Well, how are y'all doing today? It is good to be with you. Well, I, I'd like to begin by just saying, you know, I love being the church together. You know what I'm talking about? I love being the church together. I love the fact that we don't just come to church, but we are the church, that we are the church, that we get to come together and bask in the goodness of God while we also get to partner with God and his great purpose in this world to bring life. It's why we say as a church that our vision is to bring life to our city by being the church the best way we know how, because we believe Jesus came to bring life. We get to partner with that. Jesus came to bring life to those who feel empty, those who feel tired, those who feel bored, those who feel apathetic, those who feel empty, all those things. He's saying, I've come to bring life to you. And we are partnering in that. And so I love being the church. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Give a fist bump to your neighbor. Say, we have a purpose. We have a purpose, friends. So if you're here today and you need life, I just want to say that's what the church is all about. That's what Jesus is all about. Today, we get into a subject matter that may be a party foul by some standards. The three party fouls, of course, don't talk about money, religion, or politics. Well, we're going to talk about two of those today. We're going to talk about... Um, what did Jesus say about money? What did Jesus say about money? There's, there's actually quite a bit in the book of Luke about the topic of money, possession, stewardship, giving, generosity. Jesus said a lot about it. He had a lot to say about it, and he had a lot to say about giving. And, and, I, and I imagine even as we get into this, you're probably a lot like me. You want to be a person that's a generous person, right? You want to be a generous person. And I was, I was reading an article recently about a, a trend among philanthropists and generosity that there's this whole new thing that it's a, it's a hundred million dollar gift that they're giving out. And Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, he's given out several $100 million gifts to universities. And I was just thinking as I was reading, man, I want to do that someday. I want someone to give me a million dollars, hundred million dollars. <laughs> How many of you want to be generous in life? That's good, because that was going to be awkward if nobody raised their hand. That's good. A lot of us want to be generous. And obviously, generosity has a lot to do with money, but it's not just about money, right? We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our words. We can be generous with um, even, even our wisdom, if we have any, right, and our possessions. We can be generous with a lot of things, but money does sit at the heart of it. 
Because for a lot of us, it's money is where we struggle to be generous. And so as we get going, I just want to say up front that I know some of you are new to church and you're like, I, I do not want to talk about this. This is an awkward thing. This is like talking about politics. It's a no-fly zone. Some of you are new to church, to, to this church today, and you're like, really? This is the day I show up? Listen, none of, the, none of those things here, I, I just really believe that this is just, this is just a matter of life. This is just something that I feel like God wants us to talk about the things of life, and this is one of those things. And I'm praying today is just really an encouraging day for you, an insightful day, and a gentle word of shepherding from God's word. Uh, because I know for me and Christy, learning what the Bible teaches about our money was, has been one of the most important things in our life. It's helped us in so many ways. It's, it's not only in, in what to do with our money, but how to live, how to have priority uh, in the right order. And so I do believe this message is about your life. So even though we're going to talk about one part of your life, I believe it's truly about your life. And so Jesus actually said quite a bit about money. In fact, Jesus talked about money in 16 of his 38 parables, he mentioned something around money or possessions. And I did the percentages of that. That's 42% of the, of the parables were about this subject. And so I was thinking, man, if I talked about money in 42% of the sermons here, um, we'd probably have four members, right? It would be Christy, Karis, Addie, and Grayson. Um, Emily, she's, she's 19. She would have left a year ago. I wouldn't even be a member here. I would have fired myself for talking about money too much. So I get it. Like, uh, for the record, though, I was curious. And this is not to, this is just out of curiosity for me. And I thought I'd share it. I was like, well, how often do I talk about money? And, and how do often much does our church talk about it? In the history of OKC Community Church, we've had 462 Sundays together. And, uh, and I've preached on the topic of giving money or generosity seven times before today. Uh, that's 1.5% of Sundays. I don't know if I'm afraid of it or what's going on here, but um, now I know we mention it in other times. We make it mention an announcement, but, but, he, but it being the, the, the primary subject matter of the day, seven out of 462 is not a lot considering Jesus talked about it so often. And so I know 42% may be a bit of an exaggeration. Jesus didn't actually speak about it 42% of the time, but he did talk about it a lot. He made it a priority. In fact, it's a pretty central subject of the Bible. There's about 500 verses in the Bible that talk about prayer, which clearly demonstrates that prayer is an important topic of God. There's about 500 verses or so that talk about the subject of faith, which clearly represents that faith is a central component of our relationship with God. There are over 2,000 verses that talk about money, giving, possessions, and stewardship in the Bible. So this clearly demonstrates that this is something that matters a lot to God. So we have to ask ourselves as we even get into this is why does Jesus care so much about our money? Why is it a big deal? Why does God care so much about our money and possessions? Why does he care? Why does it matter? Well, I would just begin with a really simple premise because he cares about you. God cares about you. So he talks about the things that are important to you. Jesus talks about the things that are important to your life. How many of you know that money can control you. I wonder if anybody's ever felt controlled by money in your life. You've went into a season where money is dominating every day of your life, worrying about it, fretting about it, dreaming about it, whatever it is. God knows that. And anything that can become a controlling mechanism in your life, anything that can grow into an idol, God has a lot to say about it. 
He cares about it because he cares about your life. This is what Jesus says in Luke 16, verse 13. He famously said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money can easily slip into the master's role in your life, right? It can, it can dominate your decision-making. It can dictate your priorities. It can take over your dreams. And throughout the book of Luke, Jesus time and time again echoes this question that we read in Luke 16, asking who is the master of your life? I just want to give a few examples of a, a few things that Jesus said in the book of Luke. Um, he said this in Luke 11. They'll come on screen, but he says in Luke 11, he's, he actually corrects the Pharisees. We're not going to read all these because it take too long, but he corrects the Pharisees and he basically says, hey, giving isn't about the law. It's not about just doing the right thing, trying to follow the rules of religion, but it's actually an act of love. Giving is all about love. In Luke 16, there's the parable of the, the shrewd manager, which is all about stewardship, meaning taking care of the things that God has given us. How many know that's an important part of stewarding the things that God has given us? Luke 19 is the parable of the 10 minus, or similar to the parable of the talents, which is all about sowing and reaping, being faithful, trustworthy with, God's, with what God's given us. Luke 20 is the, Jesus is asked, what about paying taxes? You guys... We all have tax season coming, but he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar and the Lord what is the Lord's. Blows everybody's mind when he says this, because everything in the earth is the Lord's. Okay, so what do we do with that? Well, he's saying, hey, you got to get your priorities right, because we are often focused on what we get to keep, and Jesus wants to transform our hearts into what do we get to give? Luke 21, there's a story of the poor widow's might, powerful story of a poor widow giving everything she had, and he contrasts this with others who were giving out of their wealth, meaning they were giving with no sacrifice and no trust. He says, that's, that's, if you give that way, that's not worth anything. It's a story of surrender and sacrifice and trusting the Lord no matter what. So Jesus talks about money in a way that is always connected to our heart. You see, there's, there's strings from our heart to different things. We have these strings, heart strings, right? Listen to this, Luke 12, verse 34. Where your treasure lies, there your heart lies also. He's essentially saying, is, is the Lord, is the kingdom, is that your treasure? Or is it your possessions? Is it your money? Is it your savings account? What's, what's your treasure? Wherever your heart strings are, that's your treasure. I want to zero in on Luke 6. So we're obviously in a book of the book of Luke. We're talking about miracles everywhere. And here we are talking about money today. But we're really exploring because Jesus talks so much about it through the book of Luke. And as we kind of journey through Luke, we're kind of stopping at certain passages. And I wanted to stop at Luke 6, verse 38 today. This is our key passage for today. It says this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So in other words, when you are measuring what you want to give, you should be generous. Press it down into the measuring cup. Shake it out. Get all the air out, right? Push it down. Pack it into where it's running over the sides. That's what you should give. Because if you measure that way, guess what? You'll receive from the Lord in the same way. Now, we don't give to get. 
but there is a biblical consequence of giving. And sometimes consequences are good things. There's a biblical consequence of giving. It's the sowing and reaping sort of mentality. We sow generously, we reap generously, we give a lot away, we receive a lot of blessing. How many know that blessing doesn't always come in the form of money? So we can receive blessing and generosity from the Lord in a lot of different ways. So, how many of you know, and I keep asking you that question because I know a lot of you already know this. How many of you know that you need you to give? <laughs> Did you know that? In fact, even if you don't know the person next to you, awkwardly look at them and say, you need you to give. Go. Listen, God does not need you to give. God doesn't need you to give. He doesn't need your money. He will use your money. He will do amazing things with it. He will show you that through your generosity, he will give a great purpose. He will multiply it. He will do amazing things through generosity, but he doesn't need it. What he's doing through the principles of giving that we're about to get into is he is teaching you that you need you to give because your heart needs to be transformed. You have heartstrings to the wrong things and he wants to transform it so there'll be an order and a priority in your life. And he says, and if you don't learn to give, you will have the wrong heartstrings. You need you to give. This isn't about us. This isn't about an organization. This isn't about a budget. This is about your life. And so many times in the church, we make it about vision statements or visions to build stuff. Listen, all that stuff will happen when our hearts are right. I don't worry about budgets. I worry about our lives. Are we surrendered to the Lord? Because if we are a church surrendered to the Lord, anything is possible. You know what I'm saying? If we are a church surrendered to the Lord, God is going to use our church to bring life to a city. We don't have to worry about that stuff if our hearts are right. But what we have in America is a church whose heart is not right. That's what we have. That wasn't in the notes. <clears throat> you need you to give. I want to encourage you with one, one idea today. And it's not even that one. I had three ideas. Two hours ago, I thought, no, it's one idea. I don't ever do that. Here it is. It's on the screen. God must be first. That's it. That's the point that applies to so many things, but I want us to really consider this. What comes first for you? We can think about this in all aspects of our life. What comes first for you in your time? What's your priority? Is it work? Is it leisure? Is it family? In your relationships, do you come first or do they come first? Or does, I mean, does God come first? But try and really put this question into the context of your money. What comes first? Does honoring God with your money come first or do other things come first? Have you prioritized what God teaches in his word about how to order your money? Do you even know what God teaches in his word? Are things like offerings and tithes and giving to other people and being generous to the poor, are those things prioritized in your life? Some of us may be thinking, and, I, and, and even if you aren't thinking, this is how we operate, right? That there are some rational things when it comes to financial planning and, and, and our money management. There are things that we have to pay for in order to live, right? Things like electricity, groceries, house payments, my car, all those things are required expenses. Therefore, they come first. 
things like giving to the Lord, that's something different. And that's, matter, that's a matter of want to more than need to. This is how we think about it. And it's true that it is a different thing. And it's true that it is a matter of want to. So let me say it this way. I believe the most important scriptural truth that we can derive from the biblical narrative of all that's said from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, when it comes to our money, is that God must come first. The Bible says a lot about this whole thing of putting God first. In fact, I feel like it starts with a language and a word called the first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. I've taught on the first fruits language before. Maybe you've heard about it before, even in other churches. But let me allow you to give you just a quick refresher. Because the idea of first fruits in the scriptures is tied to your wealth and your livelihood. What you receive in order to live. I remember in the ancient world, we're dealing with a largely agricultural society, right? It was required by God in this society that you would give, for example, the firstborn of a flock... You would give that as an offering to the Lord. The first fruits that you receive from a harvest, you would give that unto the Lord as an offering. And so this was, this was how the order to our money begins in the scripture. And this goes all the way back to really the beginning of the scriptures. We see examples in Genesis and Exodus. I'll read this. Exodus 23, it says, Bring the first of the first fruits of your land. You shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And did you notice what it says? It says, Bring the first of the first fruits. That's what God wants, meaning the very first crops you receive. Again, this is an agricultural language. Let's imagine, <laughs> let's imagine you're a farmer and you grow grapes, right? You, you want to make grape preserves, grape jellies. But the real thing you want to make is you want to be the greatest wine connoisseur in all of Galilee. You're growing grapes, making some malat, some Cabernet, you're going after it. That's how they said it in Hebrew. <clears throat> Here's the deal. You're expecting to get 1,000 pounds of grapes this next season. So bringing the first of the first means that you bring to the Lord the first 100 pounds that you receive in the harvest. It means you give 100 before the 900 even come in. You're giving before all of it's there because you're giving in faith that God will provide what you need. So you give the first of the first fruits. This is how it began in the beginning. You're like, how does this apply today? There's a lot of ways that this can apply today, but this is what the Lord was saying here. Give the first of the first fruits. You trust in the Lord that he's going to bring the next 900. In fact, in the verse I read in, in, in Proverbs, it says, and all of your increase. So what happens if you get 1,200 pounds? Yeah, you also give on top of that. Leviticus 27 says, and all of the tithe, and here's the word tithe. Tithe means 10%. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. So when you give your first fruits, in the scriptures here, it should be a tithe. This practice of tithing is the first time God creates order to our money. Do you think God wants order with our money? The correct answer is yes. Because he wants to prevent money from becoming 
a master in our lives. And he knows that the only way to do that is to help you know what to do. So he gives us, and a lot of parts of the Bible are very, it's not necessarily specific on exactly how to do something. But in this one, it is. He brings specific instruction to us. Jesus later would encourage the tithe as a clear practice of obedience. We'll hope, hopefully get into that in another week. But the word makes a clear statement. In clear statements, more than what we're reading today, we're just touching on it. But he says, hey, we must give them to him first. We must make him first, give from our first. And we do that through a tithe. Now, if you're familiar with the concept of the tithe, the teaching around the tithe, you, you're already probably pretty settled with where that comes from and you understand it. But in case you don't know much about it, it can honestly feel kind of crazy to think I'm supposed to give to the Lord 10% an offering to him. And, and, and how, where does that come from? Well, first of all, God wants to radically shape your life. And, and in order to do that, he wants a transformation to take place that's significant enough that you aren't just playing the game. You aren't just kind of getting by, sliding by. He wants to radically shape the way you live. And so he starts with what's closest to your heart. He starts with our money. And he says, if you can't get this right, there's going to be something off in your heart. If you can't surrender to me how I'm ordering even you putting me first in your life, how do you call me Lord and do not do what I say, is what he says earlier in Luke chapter 6. You know, I mentioned that the, the church in America is struggling. You know, there's an, the average Christian, active Christian in America, gives less than 2%. Statistically, what does that mean? It just means, you know, we have a lot more opportunity, but I think it shows more about, like I keep harping on, our heart more than anything. And, the th and, and, and all the possibility that God has for us in order to surrender more obediently and to trust him with all of our heart. Check out the scripture in Malachi 3. Many of you are familiar with this. We're going to come back to Luke in a second, but it is, it is really powerful. And I want to read it as an encouragement. He says, We're, will a mere mortal rob God. Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, there will not be room enough to store it. How many know that God will always outgive you? There will be so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So first of all, this passage says that we are robbing God when we, when we withhold our tithes and offerings. I don't think any of us want to rob God. We never intend to do that, but this is what the word says, right? And the second thing it says is you can test me. You can test me. God says, test me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. See if I don't swing open the floodgates of my blessing. And my encouragement is always for us to start somewhere and to start now. You know, it's important to know that 10% um, is how God designs it for us to begin. It's the starting line. It's not the finish line. Meaning, we don't spend our whole life efforting towards this finish line. And then when we get someday in the distant future and we finally get to the tithe and we go, God, I made it. 
I finally gave what you asked for. No, he's saying like, this is where it begins. It begins with a surrendered heart to say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to be obedient to what you've called me to do. This passage in Malachi is similar to our key passage today back in Luke 6. He says, what does he say? Malachi says, so much blessing that there be not be, not be enough room to store it. Well, in Luke says, says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This makes me remember a powerful story from the early days of our church. Let me show you a picture from those days. This is our first service back in March of 2013. We were at the Hall of Mirrors at, at the Civic Center, and I don't know, 100 people or so gathered that day. Um, it, was, it was awesome. But back in those days, you know, for about two years, it's not really about this day, but that season of our church, we were, we were focused. Like, we were so laser-focused on finding a church home in those days. Like, we were willing to rent, buy, try, barter, trade, whatever it took to get a church home. You know what I mean? Some of you may remember those days. Some of you have heard about those days. But we, did, we had a hard time finding a place. Nobody wanted to sell to a church in this area for a long time. And, but before we got our yes from God, we had sort of our own story of give and it will be given to you. I, it was in the fall of 2014. I was actually preparing to do our first sermon about this topic that we're talking about today and generosity. And we were getting ready to do this. And uh, one of our friends, Courtney Moore, she said, who was on our original church plant team, she said, hey, what if we build a church before we build a church? And what she meant was, is what if we gave the money to build someone else a church before we built a church for ourselves? And specifically what she was talking about is we were connected to a ministry in Kenya that we knew that they were starting some new churches and there was a new church they wanted to plant in Kenya. And, and she was like, well, what if we, you know, help them do that before we even worried about ourselves? And we were like, yeah, that's pretty pretty good idea. <laughs> what if we built a church before we built a church? So we got up on Sunday and I was like, hey, okay, see community. Y'all ready to build a church? That's not ours. Of course, everybody's like, heck yeah. So we raised a few thousand dollars that day. Maybe in a couple weeks, I can't remember the details exactly. And and the money was supposed to go to help them buy land and then build a church. And it was a simple, it was a rural community in Kenya. It was like, they don't, it was like metal building. It was, it was low cost, but still it was, it was money. And uh, so we got the money, we sent it out to this ministry. And a couple weeks later, I got an email that said, hey, we were about to purchase this land. And then it ended up, the land just was donated to us. And so the money that you sent us, because this was an organization that was planting a lot of churches, we're just going to build two churches with it. So God was like already like multiplying this gift, right? And we were like, man, that is, that is so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Well, that was September 2014. And then in October 2014, you can go to the next picture. October 2014, that building right there that says Studio 421, like we had prayed around it a long time. Um, that and the Tower Theater and everything. Well, we, in October 2014, I get an email. This is about three weeks after we had sent the money. And there was, not an email, I got a phone call. Um, 
there was a door that had been slammed shut. The key had been buried somewhere deep in Oklahoma City. We couldn't find it. That this building was never going to happen. And uh, we got a call that, hey, um, if we want to buy this building, we can put it on a contract. And it was just this moment of, for us, it was like, we're going to build a church before we build a church. And God was like, I'm, I'm going to do that really fast, by the way. You're going to give, and then there's something that's going to be given to you. And it was like this living, breathing example, right, of give, and it will be given to you. God will always outgive you. Something that we thought could never happen, happened. But we think about, when I think about the, the roots of our story as a community and as a church, I think about stories like that, where it's just like God has called us always to be radically generous as not only a church body, but as his people, that we would be people that would be willing to say, Lord, we want to do whatever it is you've called us to. We want to give before <clears throat> we try to take. We are often caught, we are caught up in what do we get to keep in life? And we are in this cycle of keeping, but God wants us to be in a cycle of giving. My point is, God will show us through real life that he is faithful and that he is the one that is all powerful, that we don't have to trust in the things of this world, that we can truly trust in him. You know, one of the typical responses I hear from people about the idea of giving the way the Lord really instructs us to give. And I get it. There's a lot of people that have different opinions about how the Lord instructs us to give. I'm doing my best to just read the Bible. I'm just telling you. I'm not trying to make this something it's not. I'm just reading the Bible and what I'm trying to pull from it. A life of surrender and a life of trust. But one of the typical responses is I just can't I can't afford it. I can't do it. It's too much. I'm strapped. I'm tapped. I don't have anything left. Like it's impossible. And life can certainly feel that way, can it? Like a lot of us are like constantly spinning the financial plates in our life. And I know for us, when we've had hard times financially, it's difficult to give. I get that. There's a reason that money is one of the biggest stressors, if not the biggest stressor in life. But my point is, it's, it's, it's never about how much money you have. That actually has nothing to do with giving faithfully. It never will have anything to do with that. Because giving is all about your priorities. And I really think we need to catch this today, because remember, God must be first. Giving is not about money. Giving isn't even about an organization or a church. Giving is about your heart. And giving isn't about, about how much money you have. It's about what is most important to you. It's about your priorities. And every story I hear of someone that is a very generous person, it starts with that in mind, that they've at one point made the priority to say, I'm going to do what God says. <laughs> and their life becomes a life of generously living and experiencing the joy of giving, whether they have a lot or they have a little. That's not the point. So I'm not a name it claim person. I'm not a give so you can get person. I'm simply a person that says, will you follow Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Will you do it? Will you make him first in your life? And this is really just a matter for you to just really sit with the Lord and say, God, have I made you first? 
A lot of us give, but we've, we've yet to really make them first. It's not, do you give? It's, have you made them first? Have you followed him faithfully? Are you doing what he's called you to do? And that's a question between you and him. And so I just want to pray for us. I want to allow you to have time to pray today as well. A prayer that just says, God, I want to, I want to surrender to you. And so would you just bow with me and I'm going to give you a chance to just pray and ask God about this whole thing. We actually covered quite a bit of ground about the things Jesus says, about what the word says, about making him first in our life. Would you just ask the Lord right now? I'm going to give you just a, just ask him this simple question. Say, Lord, have I made you first in my life? in all things, including my money? Would you ask him that question and just, just humbly say, Lord, have I made you first in my life? Just pray that. I, I think my heart today and what I feel like the Holy Spirit really want, wanted this to be was a, a moment of shepherding, that the Lord's coming before us and shepherding us into a new season of surrender. And so for you, I, where is he shepherding you right now? I think there's so many things, money just being one of them that he wants to shepherd us in. We've been talking about a lot of them and we would continue to, but today it just happens to be this one. Is he shepherding you in a way that says, Lord, the step ahead, the, the journey ahead for me looks different and I'm willing to follow you. I just kept hearing that gentle shepherd kind of, and seeing that picture of him ahead of us, leading us. I'm asking myself the same questions. Lord, how do you want to shepherd me today? Because I believe for the faithful giver, it's asking, Lord, is it, if you're that person, it's, it's saying, Lord, am I, am I being Am I really putting you first? Even though I give, is it, have I put you first in my life? You have to ask that question. For the person who occasionally gives, but not just in life, it's, it's just a struggle for you, but you do it every once in a while. And it's to say, Lord, how do I really surrender to you? And for some of us, it's like, this is new for us. And we're, it's time to say, Lord, I, I want to get real about this in my life. It's enough procrastinating, enough kicking the can down the road. It is time to allow you to lead me in this area of my life because I recognize it's been a mess. I recognize it's all over the map and I'm struggling financially. So many people. So Father, I just pray for anybody in here struggling in that way. Anybody in here that's confused about that. Anybody in here that's, that's just, that really wants to just surrender to you, Father. I pray that this is a gentle shepherding moment in which you lead us from where we are now into a better future with you, Father. More surrendered, more more in love with you. And so, Father, we don't, we don't make this a rule today. We denounce all, 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 all of that. Father, this isn't a legalistic thing. This is, Father, 100%. Can we be people who love you even more through the way we give, the way we are generous, the way we share our life with other people, those around us? May this holistically transform our heart, Father, into the person you want us to be. We know that this is a slice of it, and so, Lord, we surrender it to you. This morning, you may feel led to just come and pray at the altar to say, because you've been 
this is a big deal for you and you know it is, I would pray that I just, I just, I just want to pray for you as well. Lord, any person that this is a big deal, Lord, would you move in their heart? This altar will be open. Our prayer team will be here if you want to pray with someone about anything we've talked about or even anything else going on in your life. We know there's a lot coming through the doors. Our prayer team is here for you as we sing and worship in just a moment. But God, I, I close this time by just saying, Lord, we want, it to, we want to be a church that has heartstrings fully devoted to you. I pray that over each and every person in this room. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as, as the team leads us in a song? And Like I said, this altar's open. Our team is here. But let's just respond to the Lord. We have time. Let's respond to the Lord during this next few minutes. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.